Hey, listeners, before we get started, uh, I know this is the time where I come on here and apologize and tell you that we're trying to work on stuff and stuff. Well, it's true. Don't you criticize us. <laughs> no, but it is true. We actually are trying to figure out uh, scheduling wise how this is all going to work because we've switched to it biweekly now. And on top of that, Anderson is going to have to start recording remotely. So we're still trying to figure some stuff out. And as we continue through this biweekly stuff, we'll get there and hopefully things will start going smoother. <laughs> Who knows? You know, life always tries to find a way, a way to get in the way of all of your plans. But here's the podcast. We recorded this on the 23rd of April, 2022. Stand before a door. You unlock it with the key of rational thought and common sense. Beyond it is another dimension. A dimension of lunacy, laughter, and logic. You're now moving into a land of both bullshit and fact about movies, video games, and nerd culture. You've just crossed over into the Geek Out Heroes podcast. Welcome to the Geek Out Heroes. This is Vargo. This is Josiah. Miles. Anderson. So, listeners, uh, some weird things have been going on. I want to talk about the Elon Musk thing with uh, talk, or, you know, trying to buy up uh, Twitter and what we think about it. And uh, honestly, I hope it happens, and I hope he buys Twitter and then immediately shuts it down. <laughs> Getting rid of Twitter entirely. Wow. I didn't even think about that. That's the best possible If Elon outcome. Musk did that, I would literally just look at him and be like, dude, you're my hero for fucking ever. I don't care. I don't care what you named yeah. your kid, how fucking batshit crazy that was. That <laughs> nonsense was. You're you're a hero because yeah. you got rid of social media. You got rid of part of the biggest problems in social media. Yeah, I would I, I would shit myself uh just laughing if that happened. Yeah. One of the, That'd be the most I don't think thing. that's as intense. Yeah, in, in reality, the only reason why social the only reason why we, we hate social media so much is because it literally is giving a platform to people to spread their crazy. And that's all it does. It gives people a platform to spread their lunacy to each other and say some of the most insane, inane bullshit on the planet. And and get other people to be, yeah, that's right. That's that they're right. It's just an echo chamber of nonsense yeah there's no accountability yeah. for stupidity exactly if you had to go out and say that shit to regular people in the world and just said that nonsensical crap i guarantee you'd have one or two people in that group going the fuck did you just say why do i know this listeners because i have friends who do that <laughs> they do that for me so if i say something that seems out of line i get corrected that's what friends are supposed to do that's what good friends are supposed to do. yeah we're supposed to say, eh, I don't know about that, man. It's happened plenty of times with me. I've made, I've made plenty of stupid comments in the past, listeners, where I've been corrected by Miles. I've been corrected by Josiah. I've been corrected by Anderson. I've been corrected by Loach. He's my best friend. He doesn't agree with everything I say. Yeah. Just because, you're, just because somebody's your best friend doesn't mean they should agree with you all the time. And we definitely don't agree with each other all the time. That's okay. And it's completely fine. Why? Because it keeps us grounded. And it keeps us a little more, you know, checked into reality. Exactly. And what happens is they, they start to lose their reality check because there's no longer objective thought. There's no longer anything to go against what they say. Oh, especially because, when, especially when, you know, any, uh, objection is censored. Exactly. Because what I'm getting to listeners is the fact that when you start silencing the voices of dissent around you, 
there's no longer anyone there to pull back the curtain and show you the wizard. So you're no longer the woke. The woke are the people that see what's going on around them and go, holy shit, this is happening. I'm seeing it and explain that to the people around them. But right now you have the people who think they are the woke. And instead of actually seeing the world and going, holy crap, uh, censorship is happening right now actively as companies participate and collaborate with one another to stop voices of dissent. And they don't understand that what they're seeing around them is very Orwellian. And they're okay with it. And in some cases, they're asking for more of it. They're asking for more censorship. Like, what, what the fuck are you guys talking about? What is this? So you end up with these weird things where Twitter is just like, all right, well, we're just going to deal in absolutions of you absolutely have to think this way. You can't think that way. If you think this way, then you're off the platform. And that's how their entire landscape is shaping out to be of, just a bunch of people who aren't sharing ideas, who aren't having discussions, who aren't talking about things. Instead, it's just, this is the only way you can think. And if you don't think this way, you're canceled. We'll kick you off of Twitter. We'll kick you off of social media. Meanwhile, they allow terrorist organizations and shit like that to continue to have Twitter pages. I mean, for God's sakes, Putin's still got a Twitter page, even though he's declared war on Ukraine for no fucking reason, other than a random thought passing through his fucking mind. But if you're a regular citizen without a lot of power and you're on Twitter and you say something that they disagree with, well, they can just get rid of your account, suspend it. Why? Because, well, you didn't say the things that we liked. You were mean. You didn't, see the, you didn't say the, the things that we support right now. You could quote the actual CDC on information that they've given and how it contradicts one another. And yet, because it's considered misinformation, you're kicked off the platform. Never mind the fact that all you're doing is just pointing out this isn't consistent. Or if you say something that is inconsistent with whatever Twitter's talking points are on one subject, and you say, I don't fully agree with that. Well, same thing. You're going to get kicked off. You're going to get told that you're spreading misinformation. But so long as you have their talking points and you say whatever they want, you can say whatever dumbass thing comes across your mind. So they can get away with all of this in the United States because of the things that the Constitution protects, but they aren't willing to stand up for the Constitution itself. Well, that's a contradiction, don't you think? So I'd rather have everybody be able to be on Twitter if Twitter's going to continue and talk and say whatever the fuck they want, whatever inane nonsense comes out, because there's a possibility that somebody else might be on there just to counter them and say, actually, that's not what's true. Here's, here's the actual truth. Here's what's really woke. Yeah. Not what you're saying. Yeah, I think that's his goal ultimately. I mean, who knows? Yeah, guy's been. I mean, that's kind of how he's been portraying yeah, it. Guy's been kicked off Twitter twice just for saying, or for for. And crazily enough, like people said, oh, he says terrible things. No, he just says what other people say. It's nuts to sit there and think about a company that, yes, while a company should have the the ability to do what they want as a company, at the same time, they're going out of their way to try and censor people by ganging up on everyone. I mean, you have Twitter collaborating with YouTube, collaborating with Facebook. That's fucking weird. That's a government coming together like, oh, all right, well, we're going to we're going to dictate how you can talk. That doesn't sound like it's 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 a good idea. And don't you think people should be allowed to be able to actually hear other people's ideas and decide whether or not, hey, that's actually real or that's actually fake. That doesn't sound right. That does sound right. Kind of how we function in a society. <laughs> I cracked up when uh, it came up with uh, how he wanted to turn uh, Twitter's uh, HQ into a homeless shelter. 
(laughs) (laughs) And even Jeff Bezos is like, yeah, that's a good idea. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, Jack Dorsey's finally, since he's since he's no longer in charge of Twitter, he's now going on Twitter and saying what he really thinks now, I guess. And I'm sitting there going, dude, it's too little too late. Yeah. It's either that or he's just trying to get approval. Yeah. I don't know if he's being altruistic or not. That's true. Yeah. You know, it's one of those things like, are you, are you saying this cause you actually feel that way? Or are you saying this way to kind of get buddy, buddy with, you know, essentially the world's richest man. Yeah. Right. I want this guy to be my friend. So he doesn't take away my money because my money is yeah. important to me. But you know, that, that's a, that's a huge plus side to, to all of this is as much of a nut as Elon Musk is. I'm glad he's not. <laughs> I'm glad he's not inherently evil. <laughs> True. Yeah. For Maybe being we, that fucking could, rich. You, you it could kinda, be worse. Yeah, yeah. It could be really bad. <laughs> yeah. I mean, he, he could be Lex Luthor. Yeah. Creating car electric cars with, with a secret plot behind it to be able to lock people into their vehicles and never let them out and fucking decrease, <laughs> decrease the human population that way. Sucking out right. the oxygen or some shit, like some crazy fucking comic book nonsense. He could be, de- yeah. he could have been doing that. No, he just creates electric cars and almost single-handedly is saving the space agency. What a Nazi! <laughs> yeah, getting getting us actually closer to getting off this rock a little bit longer than going to going to the moon, and Sorry. that's because of you know that's because of pioneering efforts being made by individuals who are wealthy and are bringing together these resources. When NASA sat there and said, "There's no way you can take a ship." from the ground up into the space and then back to the ground again. And with, yeah. without the, without all the stages that they use for that, they've been, that they'd been using for shuttles for fucking decades. And he said, okay, watch me and then <laughs> yeah. did it. And then all of NASA went, Oh yeah, I forgot. We're not the smartest people in the room anymore. I don't necessarily yeah, think it's not the smartest. I think it's a budget issue. He just has more money. <laughs> yeah maybe that's what they're like you can't do that without all the money that we used to get <laughs> and then he looked at it well i have a shitload of money so fucking watch me do it yeah yeah that's why i love uh russia's flex on it like oh you won't be allowed to use our our amazing rockets and uh elon musk just re- replied with the 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 spacex rocket just landing yeah. upright like i think we're good I think we're fine. Thanks. <laughs> we're making more advancements than you guys have. So awesome. You know, if he buys Twitter, I don't know what's going to happen with that. Like where, where they're going to go with it. Hopefully it just means taking off some of the restrictions. I would like to see him implement a policy on Twitter. Of like you can't have a Twitter account unless you're 18 or older for their customer base, because I think a lot of that causes problems because I think that's what causes a lot of issues on Twitter overall. Just kids getting access to social media too early. Right. You know, nothing's going to stop a kid really from being able to say, yeah, I'm 18. Yeah. That, kind of that definitely didn't stop me from getting on porn sites. So, so yeah, but I'm <laughs> just saying like, try and create a policy that's like, all right, well, you know, cause that's, that's really where this all came about was like protecting kids from bullying from like online bullying. And I totally understood that. Hell, we even talked about it on the podcast a long time ago and we're like, yeah, it's a good policy to have. Like these kids shouldn't be, have to deal with bullying online, let alone in the real world. Yeah, I get it. The, the real world doesn't care about your feelings when you're an adult listeners, but when you're a kid, it can affect, you know, kids get affected by that shit. I still, uh, I still like the uh, one comedian. I don't remember who it was talking about cyberbullying. 
He's like, here's a simple fucking solution to that. Just <laughs> mimes uh, closing a fucking computer. Yeah. Like, just turn okay, Fuck that turn guy. It off. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, turn it off. It's not that big of a deal. That And that's the thing is like, it really came, came down to like, your people are like, oh, they're being cyber bullied online. I'm like, well, if they don't have social media, would they know it? Right. Well, no, they wouldn't. If the other kids didn't have access to social media, would, would it have ever happened? No, it wouldn't. So maybe social media shouldn't be allowed for children. Just a thought. Because they're not, they, they, I mean, kids don't, kids have like the, the mental maturity of a gnat until they're like in their 20s. And I know that just from personal experience. <laughs> So, you know, allowing them to have social, you know, access to social media means that they're just going to be that child idiot all the way up until some point the real world slaps them in the face and tells them to grow the fuck up. No. Otherwise, you end up with people like we, we have on fucking TikTok and what we have on fucking, you know, YouTube and Twitter and stuff like that who just decide, oh, I can go on the Internet and say whatever inane bullshit passes through my fucking brain. You should give those people shows. Yeah, like Colbert. <laughs> the View. The view. <laughs> <Scene> and bless. <laughs> Which, oh. Speaking of scene and bless, uh, it lasted three fucking weeks. And listeners, I know we're not talking about video games and stuff like that yet, but it, it, this is entertainment stuff, and it's pretty funny to us. Uh, CNN lasted three fucking weeks, and uh, and they then they had to close down and fire a bunch of people. And uh, what's really funny is a lot of people were going, "Oh, you guys are rejoicing over this." And there's you know, those those are tons of people who are out of a job now. Yes, there are tons of people that are out of a job, but you know what would have saved their job is if they had just been telling the fucking truth for the past two decades instead of becoming a government propaganda machine. Because that's really what they yeah, were. See two identical stories from like CNN and really anybody else. Yeah, uh, for the most part. And I'll click on the other one just because I don't want CNN spin on it. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it's fucking ridiculous. You guys could have you could have solved this. Just tell the truth. Just be honest the entire fucking time. Unless just like, yeah, on the on the podcast, I used to say, yeah, get a, you know, go out and get other sources and stuff like that from MSNBC and stuff like that. Yeah, you should still look at you can still look at them, but just know that most of the stuff they're telling you is complete fucking bullshit. Because they they picked a side. It's like it's like going for all of your information from Fox. You're going all for all your information from just Fox News. Yeah. Well, congratulations. You're just getting one side of an argument the entire time. Yeah. You're, Which you're not four or six years ago was the one that I was heavily criticizing. Yeah, you know, four six years ago, because, yeah, because because four six years ago they were doing similar shit, and then all of a sudden they started like they started doing things like, oh yeah, we're just gonna start telling you guys, this is the story, this is what happens, here's our opinion. Yeah. <laughs> like they actually started separating the news from what they thought, and basically said, yeah, this is what we think, here's what happened. Yeah, now they say shit like, yeah, here's this, do your research, like yeah. Oh, hey, look at that. Some sensibility. They're like, that's yeah. fucking weird to me coming from my, Fox. Yeah, right. <laughs> my fucking jaw dropped when I saw that shit coming from Tucker Carlson. I was like, what the fuck did he just say? Did he just tell people go out and actually research shit? Don't take it from me. Go out and research it. Go and look for it. I was like, holy shit, you guys are actually uh, just fucking reading rainbowing it. <laughs> yeah, right. Don't take my word for it. Yeah, I mean, I still like I still don't go to them for really any like any information. They'll pop up every now and then, like when uh, when I'm looking through YouTube stuff, they'll just throw up and I'm like, all right, I'll watch and see what they got to say. Like, 
all right, well, if I'm going to hear this, then I'm going to go hear what CNN's whole deal was. And I'll go watch CNN's yeah. version and sit there and go, yeah, all right, still, well, still one's biased. a little more, yeah, one, one's a little more, uh, more grounded than the other, but they're still biased. <laughs> yeah. So CNN only lasted three weeks. That was funny. I didn't have Stadia outlasted CNN plus. <laughs> right. Yeah. Stadia, Stadia only outlasted CNN plus because Google was like, oh shit, we created this service that people bought into. People own games through us and not everybody has uh, the ability to, uh, to download their games and play them on a PC and they have our streaming device. What do we do? <laughs> well, I guess we just keep the server running. That's running their streaming device. Google will eventually shut that down. I think, I think they'll eventually just go, yeah, we're switching. They'll probably do some crazy nonsense. Like we're switching Stadia over to this service that will take over, but it won't be Stadia and it won't continue to grow. It'll just be stagnant where it's at, where it's at right now, but it's no longer Stadia. So they can just kind of move on to whatever they, whatever, whatever their next project is. My, my hope for co-op campaign in Halo Infinite lasted longer than CNN plus. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, that's actually true. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, that's, that's been delayed now to, we don't know when, uh, they've had their recent happen. Yeah, they've had their recent patch for Halo come out that's supposed to be that that brought maps, it brought uh, fixes and stuff like that, and yet the community's still not playing the game as much, and they aren't getting the amount of playtime that they were. And uh, I think, honestly, I think that this is where... uh, people are, or gamers are kind of at like, if you don't, if you don't get it right the first time I'm out that kind of thing. Yeah. Uh, and I think that a lot of gamers are in that situation just because of how games as a service has worked in the past several years of the fact of, well, I'm, I'm not going to put up with your bullshit. If you're not going to, if you're going to continue to just ignore the problem. And that's really where, uh, halo kind of went of, we're going games as a service. We already, you know, we've already talked about that on the podcast before, but uh, when they decided, all right, we're going to have to delay the maps slightly. We're going to have to keep, keep making fixes. And the, the multiplayer just wasn't functioning the way that people were used to for halo multiplayer. A lot of people just bounced out. And it was one of those things of like, you know, maybe I'll come back to it later when you've actually got it fixed. Yeah. That's uh, the way I'm looking at it. Cause I mean, you I- I played a ton of it when it first came out just because, yeah. you know, it was Halo multiplayer and, you know, I missed that. And then I realized I have the Master Chief collection so I could go back and play the good multiplayer games again. Yeah. But I was reading through the patch notes and uh, it sounds like a lot of the game types are still going to be done as weekly events instead of just being available. Which was my big gripe with it because I mean, SWAT was there for a week. Really? And it was fun. But then they rotated it back out, and I think they brought Fiesta back in. Yeah, I was really kind of confused by that. Because like, when I thought they brought when they brought back SWAT, I thought it was supposed to be oh, they're adding. At, the, at first, I thought it was they were just adding to the playlist. I didn't realize it was going to be one of those things where they're just like it's here for a limited time, and then it's gone. Yeah, and that's that's what I thought it was too because they uh, they brought in Fiesta first. Yeah, which I mean, Fiesta can be pretty fun unless you spawn in with like a plasma pistol and then I don't know something else that sucks and you can't get good. Yeah. Um, <laughs> But they, they took it away a week at the end of the week, and then they did something else for another week, and then yeah. they brought in uh, SWAT at the end of the month for a week. Yeah. And I was like, oh, cool, maybe this one will stay. Oh, they renamed it to Tactical Slayer now. 
Yeah. For whatever, whatever reason. reason. And uh, so I played SWAT for the week and then it went away and then they brought something else back and I was like, so this is how you're doing it. I can't just hop into a playlist. It's I got to play during that week. Yeah. That's fucking stupid. Yeah. The, the way that they have handled this whole thing just feels kind of like flying. They're flying by the seat of their pants. There's no real, there was no real, like, we're going to release this. We're going to release this. This is how this is going to work. This is how this is going to work. It all felt like they were just like, oh, we don't have all of our systems in place. And when they first started out with a the multiplayer, they, they made the excuses of like, oh, well, we wanted the rotating, like random playlist kind of deal to get people playing all the different types and stuff like that and be able to complete different aspects of the season pass. But I sat there going, oh, part of that seems like it's just designed around making sure that this is how, or making sure that you get other people playing different one playing different modes so that other modes don't go stagnant because that's what kind of happens in playlists. Like you have were certain ones that are just played by a group of people because those are the ones that work. And that's usually what, what causes it is like, Oh, this one works, this battle mode works, or this, this playlist works. I'm going to play only Slayer. I'm going to play only SWAT. I'm going to play only this Uh big team battles broken. I'm not going to play big team battle anymore. And that's what it seemed like they were trying to prevent by forcing people to play the other modes. But when the other mode, but when some of the other modes were popping up in the playlist and aren't working, well, then people aren't having fun and they drop off. They're like, well, if I'm going to get stuck in this and this is not working, I'm just going to fucking leave. And that create that one creates one problem. And two, the other issue is that you have people who just want to go in and play only one mode who want to play battle Royale, who want to play like these kind of things, these, these other modes who want to play SWAT, who want to play, uh, you know, uh, shoddy snipers and stuff like that. And that's the only thing they're going in there for. That's the only thing they want to play. They're not going in. They're, they're not more than likely not going to be part of the competitive scene. Uh, when I say competitive scene, like the, the pro competitive scene, Yeah, the esports. So, so it didn't make any sense when your esports were catered towards only, only a few modes. They were catered towards SWAT. They were catered towards, uh, what was the other one? Um, can't think of it. It's driving me nuts. Uh, big. Uh, it was catered towards a uh, SWAT, like big team battle. Like the those were the ones that you were trying to push for just the esports stuff. Well, if they were locked into their own modes, why don't you have those separated in in the regular playlist? So that created another problem for them. So they went, oh, okay, well, we'll create playlists, but instead of creating playlists, we'll have rotating playlists. Well, now you have gamers going, well, that's the uncertainty that, that, that my playlist won't show up and I don't know if it's going to jump in. So I'll jump in, see if it's playing. If it's not playing this week, I'll leave. Well, now you have P- now you have players who are stopping to play your game for a while, going and playing other stuff, either forget to come back or when they come back, the mode's not there and they still don't play your game. Yeah, that's how it is for me. I'll still log in once a week to see, you know, what playlist is there. Yeah, because I I spent money on the, the season pass when it first came out and I at least want to finish it and get my money's worth. But if there's not going to be any playlists that I want to play, then I'm just going to go back to Elden Ring or, you yeah. know, something else. So, yeah, it's it, because of that, it feels like when you're when we're watching it from the outside, uh, we're looking at what the what's been going on. And all I can think of the entire time is, oh, well, they just didn't think about this. They didn't plan this out. And it and it feels vastly unfinished, even in a multiplayer. You add that to the campaign being mediocre, 
the open world and mostly that's listeners caused by the multi by, by the the open world and no co-op you go yeah this game wasn't done this game wasn't finished you released it too early and you should have thought about it a little bit more and play tested a little bit more but instead we're the play testers and you're hoping that it'll carry over right? and that it'll it'll continue on well what happens when your play your your player base drops this you know drops too low and we're seeing that happen with battlefield so you have Battlefield 2042, who's been having just abysmal numbers because the game can't be fixed. The game just is it it released in a broken mess. I, I, I will say at least at least Halo Infinite is for the majority playable in comparison. But Battlefield 2042 is supposed to be a, a service game. It's supposed to be a live service game that's constantly updated, constantly getting, you know, getting changes, new maps, stuff like that. And that's why people bought into it in the first place but it's a broken mess that people left and they're, they're not going to get their gamers back. I don't think they're going to get their gamers back. It's not going to be a, you're not going to get a no man's sky situation out of this because EA doesn't have, excuse me, EA doesn't have the, I don't, uh, it's not really morals. It's, it's, they don't have the response. They don't feel the responsibility to their gamers to continue to improve their service. Oh yeah. They'll they don't, just cut it off and move on to the next thing. They don't have the give a fuck. Exactly. So unlike no man's sky, which that, that development team had poured their heart and souls into this, into this, this game, regardless of the, the bad PR because of stuff that the, uh, the creator uh, or the creative director decided to say, just spouting off ideas off the top of his head and treating them like they were going to be fact. Uh, eventually no man's sky has gotten to, or, you know, relatively close to what they had originally talked about and what they'd promised. And that yeah. has been, had a huge turnaround, but that required a team that sat there and said, you know what? We fucked up. We didn't tell you, we told you guys a lot of bullshit and we didn't live up to that. We're going to make it right. We're going to fix that. It, it was, it was one of those things that like, we don't want to, we don't want this game that we've loved and had a, such a huge uh, investment in to become something that is not worthwhile and, and people are re- will remember as being a piece of shit. So when listeners, when we talk about it, like it's had a huge turnaround of the fact that it started out as just meh and it was a cool idea, had some really cool things in it. It was fun to play at first, but as you went along, you're like, man, all the ideas that you guys talked about aren't in this game. And it slowly yeah. sunk in of like, this isn't what you promised us. Yeah. The only real delivery was the size. Like- yeah. You know the 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 vast uh, expanse of the game. You know came across very clearly, and that was yeah that was huge. Yeah. Um. <clears throat> so, but when they turned around and started adding extra stuff and started working on it and saying we're going to make it right, we're gonna we're gonna live up to what we told what we talked about. Well, they did. They they slowly started building it back up and making it into the game that they had promised. And now where it's at is no, they are completely two separate games in my opinion. You have No Man's Sky now and No Man's Sky at launch, and they are vastly different. Yeah, I just picked it up yeah. on because uh, it was on sale, mm-hmm. and uh, I only played a few hours, but it's way different than it used to be. Yeah, worlds worlds above where it was at, right? So, uh, at this yeah, point, I mean, if, one thing you know, they had going for them too. I mean, when when you're comparing that and like 2042, yeah, uh, and how it's just not possible for 2042. Like uh, the benefit that No Man's Sky has is it's a niche game. There's not really another alternative for that game. 
that's yeah, out there. Absolutely. Um, at least not on console. I don't <clears> know about <throat> PC. But uh, you know, whereas Battlefield 2042, there's tons of fucking you know battle royale games. There's there's all kinds of things that can fill in that void that yeah. they have to compete with. Yeah, and No Man's Sky also has the added benefit of you can always just come back. You can always leave it for you know so many time and come back and just play it when they have new stuff drop. Whereas yeah. ba- or Battlefield 2042 doesn't have that. They they no. have we've created a community. We tried to we tried to get our community. Well, our community dropped off because our game sucks. And right now they they've had the lowest the lowest numbers of a Steam game in the history of the entire franchise. And it I don't think it's the lowest ever for a game because I'm sure there's probably other games that just dropped to zero within a week that aren't multiplayer or anything like that because Steam keeps numbers of like how many people are playing certain certain games. But this one dropped to like 10 players for Battlefield. Wasn't that one of the things that, that they brought up like recently, like it dropped as low as 10 players and they were like, what the fuck? Yeah, I think it, I don't remember the specific number, but I remember reading somewhere. It was between 10 and 20. Yeah, oh, no, sorry. Were- I'm, I'm, I'm getting, sorry. I'm getting them confused. I, I'm thinking of Babylon uh, fall. Mm. Babylon, is it Babylon's fall? Is that it? Yeah. Yeah. That one's not doing I'm, well I'm confused. Yeah. I'm, I'm confusing <laughs> the two. So I, I'm conflating the numbers listeners. Sorry. I apologize. But battlefield 2042 hit, Record low numbers. I mean, it was in the hundreds at least. Yeah, there's uh, more people on Battlefield 4 than there is in yeah. Battlefield 2042. Yeah, a game that fucking came out years ago. Yeah, is, two, two has, iterations ago? Yeah. Right? Has, uh, well, I mean, you have... No, uh, bat- three. No, that's that's three. Battlefield, yeah, yeah, yeah. Battlefield 1 and Battlefield 5 in between that. So, yeah. uh, has more players on that than you have, and because it's the closest thing that people, that players can get who want that Battlefield 2042 experience, the modern day war experience. So they have to go to Battlefield 4 to get it. And Battlefield 4 still had leaderboards. It still has stuff like that. And I'm sitting there going, I like, I'm half surprised that EA didn't just immediately go, uh, shut off those servers to to try and force (laughs) people back over to 2042. Uh, half surprised that that didn't happen, but, Regardless, people are leaving that game because it's bad. And this is kind of a trend of like, oh, well, you're not giving me what you promised. You're not giving me what you, what I was, what I was told I was going to get. This is not the experience I I was expecting. I'm going to leave. I'm going to go do something else. And it's even worse for shooters. Like you said, because they, they have other other outlets. outlets. Yeah. You can go to other things. You can go play call of duty, you know, regardless of how bad Warzone might be with its recent update. Uh, it's still probably a more stable experience than Battlefield 2042. And at least, you know, when you shoot a gun, you're more likely going to shoot somebody instead of 2042, where I've watched videos of people standing five feet away and a gun doesn't touch the other person. And they're just fucking, you know, shooting directly at one another and the gun doesn't work until you put it in the sights. That, that's what the fuck? <laughs> how, did, how did that even happen? Well, an inexperienced uh, development team. That's that's one of the main reasons. And uh, you also have EA who just put, wanted to push it out the door. I remember seeing a thing uh, very recently it, uh, pointed out that their player count has consistently dropped uh, yeah. as they've added bigger and bigger uh, player counts. And yeah. I knew that was a fucking issue as soon as they branched off into like 30 you know, player teams. I was like, all right, you're like, you guys are getting too. like one of the big things with battlefield for me was always the survivability. There's always a tactical aspect to it. And yeah, cause yeah. I fucking hated call of duty cause it was putting eight people in a 10 by 10 room with shotguns. 
you know, <laughs> like, yeah, good, good fucking luck, you know, whereas <laughs> Battlefield, you could snipe, you could, you know, you could do uh, anti-armor, you could do all kinds of shit. Improvise, improvise, improvise. <laughs> That's all I can think of. As soon as they started adding more, more people, that, that slowly became more and more of an issue. You know, I mean, they wound up making bigger and bigger maps to try to kind of compensate for it. Yeah. But, you know, here they are shoving a hundred fucking people into a goddamn match. I'm like, calm the hell down. <laughs> yeah. Going along the lines of like where uh, games as a service is heading and like what's what's what happens with them very quickly is. You look at Babylon's fall, Babylon's fall. That's the one listeners I was confusing numbers wise uh, their player count dropped to 10. 10 players on Steam. Like, holy shit, that is a massive failure. And this is a this is a game that released by Square Enix. It's been, I believe the development team was uh, Platinum Games. Right? Uh, that sounds right. Um, which would be part of the Bayonetta uh, games. And uh, they're primarily known for beat-em-ups. It's nothing like any of the stuff they've made before. And people were disappointed. Like they, their fans who wanted to see, who, who like saw some of the stuff for it when it was in early development, they're like, man, this looks really cool. Then the game comes out and it's just not that it's not what they were expecting. It's not, not the gameplay they were expecting. And it's not very good on top of that. It was platinum games, by the way, which is interesting because it, you know, it's like you said, they're, they're known for, you know, Bayonetta, uh, metal gear rising, you know, the, Devil May Cry style games. Yeah, they're known for making what is considered some pretty stellar uh, beat em ups. Yeah, they're fantastic. I mean, for a long time, it was anytime I'd see a Platinum Games logo come on, like when we'd all be over here watching E3 footage, and I'd tell you guys, oh, this is a Platinum's, uh, Platinum game I bought instantly. Yeah. Uh, and a lot of people were kind of on that same boat of like, oh, yeah, instantly bought. Like, this is going to be incredible. They're doing a games as a service beat em up. Fuck yeah but it's nothing like that. Nothing like the games they've done before. And because of that players just like, well, this is trash. It's getting bad reviews because it's one, not a very good game. It's not very well thought out. And, uh, this is, this, this was the second, I believe for this year of uh, square Enix putting out a live service game. And both of them have not done well, especially this one. And the player count dropped off on this one so quickly that people were going, is this game even going to be around anymore? And Platinum tried to make a statement of like, yes, we're still looking at, uh, you know, improving the game and making a big investment into this uh, live service model. But I'm sitting there going, well, it's not really up to you. It's up to your publisher in the end. Your Square Enix is going to be the one that goes, well, we're going to cut off the servers. If nobody's playing it, that's absolutely going to happen. Yeah, I've never seen an instance where they're like, all right, there's one person still playing it. We're going to keep it, you know, keep it live. We're going to dump a bunch of time and money into fixing it for this one guy. Yeah. If Halo 2 couldn't keep the servers running, then (laughs) then nothing will. Yeah. And that still had a dedicated player base, even when they shut the servers off. In fact, I've seen their their interviews, in fact, uh, on YouTube with people talking about the experience they had when the servers went off on Halo 2, and this was years after the game had come out, and they had already had access to Halo 3, but they were still playing Halo 2 online. And it was just, like, them talking about, like, oh, you know, the the emotion of, like, playing with other players as they were playing it to try and finish matches before the servers turned off, and uh, how Microsoft uh, was kind enough to delay some of the uh the ending it so that some matches could could finish before time but 
it just made me kind of laugh of like, if, if that community couldn't keep those things going and that community was larger than 10, <laughs> then this game's not going to keep that going. They're not going to keep it up, especially if, especially when Square Enix is just basically bleeding money, keeping servers open for this one game. So I don't see, I don't see it going much farther. I think that they're probably going to cut it off. It's going to be another Anthem. Uh, you know, this is going to be a, 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 ho- a ho- hopefully a faster Anthem uh, situation <laughs> where Anthem just gets, you know, where Anthem finally got shut off uh, and they realize, yeah, it's just a fucking loss. We're not going to get our player base back. Anthem kept trying to come back and come back and come back and have that no man's sky return, but they came back with trash and nobody cared. Yeah. Unlike, unlike no man's sky, which came back like, Hey, we've introduced this. We're introducing pirate ships. We're introducing like they, they, every time no man's sky came back with stuff, it was like, we are actually introducing improvements to the game to try and get our player base back up again. And when they do every time they drop something, their player base increases again, it goes back up. Because they realize that people are going, oh, I'm, you know, I either are running out of stuff to do or they just get complacent and bored and they want something else, which is why, and, you know, I can see No Man's Sky literally becoming the kind of ever, uh, was it Everspace? Or I'm thinking, of, you know, what I'm thinking of the, the one where they, they've charged real world money for fucking spacecraft. I'm thinking, trying to think of the, uh, oh, Star the one Citizen. That you- Star Citizen. Yeah, God the one damn. that you have to talk me out yeah. of at least twice a year. Yeah, Star Citizen that, <laughs> that literally had, like, no joke, listeners, they have a package if you want to own all the fucking ships that cost $40,000. Real world money. Uh, I thought it was more expensive it. than that. No, surprisingly. Uh, <laughs> no, it's more expensive if you but buy the ships but, individually. But basically, but basically, you're buying your shit, you're buying digital ships for a game with real world money from essentially a, a car dealership. They are flying <laughs> NFTs. <laughs> yeah, it's basically it. You're, you're buying NFTs uh, for that game. But uh, no man's sky. I could see that becoming a thing where they just start doing updates then and charging them or charging for it. Not like, not like a monthly expense, but like a, you know, this, this new expansion pack is this much money. Like I could see them yeah. doing expansion packs that are going to cost money as it, as it goes along. Uh, whereas, I mean, go ahead. Part, part. I think part, a big part of uh, them maintaining their player base and you know staying really relevant uh, has been because they've been included on Game Pass. Oh yeah, absolutely. You know, they, they've gotten a, a huge influx. Yeah, I don't see that being a relationship that's going to change. In fact, I could absolutely see as PlayStation moves on with PlayStation Now, of them jumping on PlayStation Now. Uh, as yeah. a possibility as well to try and get that continued revenue as well. Um, of course, we don't know what PlayStation is going to do with PlayStation now. Absolutely. Because they keep talking about, or we keep seeing things like uh, uh splinter cell, not splinter cell, uh, sorry. Uh, siphon filter was recently brought up in, uh, I guess a copyright claim or not copyright claims, but a, a renewing, a, a renewing a copyright on the, uh, the games, so people are uh, are expecting a huge influx uh, for PlayStation Now of uh, old games, obviously, because of how they're shifting over PlayStation Now and making it part of PlayStation Plus. Um, but the funny part of that, like, the, there's a funny part to that of just thinking of of old of newer gamers who have only known the PS4 and the PS5 looking at old games and going, "This is trash," because that's going <laughs> to happen. It's guaranteed. Oh yeah. <clears throat> And they're not wrong compared to today's today's standards. 
not wrong. It'll be interesting to see if that is if that ends up being any kind of thing where so that'll help Sony build up uh, PlayStation now. But as for games as a service, like the only way you can keep your games as a service going is if you one you have to do it like at this point you have to do it right the first time. You, there's no fucking slacking off. You can't fuck off and go oh we'll just build it as we can because games as a service depends on their audience continually playing the game. And if the audience drops off, your game's dead. Your game dies. There's no there at that point. There's no we're going to build it up later. We're going to fix it later. It's your game dies. This isn't a situation of like oh we put out a open world title that people play in and we can fix it as they go. Still the most successful of which I believe is Warframe. And it's just because of how attentive they are to their their game and their audience. Yeah, they try to fix stuff very quickly, uh, and it's free to play. Knowing that it's free to play and that. It's optional. People jump in, they get, yeah. you know, they, they like it and they go, Oh, you know what? This has been a lot of fun. I'm going to, you know, this is the case with miles. I'm going to support them. I'm going to try and give them some support. So I'm going to buy something. I'm going to buy some packs. I'm going to buy some platinum and I'm going to, you know, be able to purchase things in the game. So that's how their model has been successful in their, on their route, but they're constantly working on one, not just improving the game, but because the game works, the game works as it's supposed to. But they're also adding adding content, and sometimes adding content can break portions of the game. That happens with that's going to happen with games as a service. Happens on Destiny. Happens on everything. But it's not to the point where it's game breaking and stops their player base from playing again. And they they these companies also go in going, hey, we're going to have a player drop off at some point, but we're going to add enough content that players are going to come back and want to experience it. Bungie's finally figuring that out a little bit of, hey, we're not going to always have the same player base, but our player base does increase when we have content drops, when we have season drops, when we have story drops, stuff like that. Uh, New exotics come out. We have a player base increase. But now the growing pains of games as a service is over. You don't need to have the trial and error of what do we do. So if you don't get it right the first time, you're not going to keep that. You're not going to keep that player base. That player base is going to drop off instantaneously almost and, and just they're not going to come back they're just going to say you burned me the first time i'm done i'm going to go to something else i think a lot of that is uh, a lot of gamers myself included on this are tired of we'll just ship a broken game and fix it later with patches <laughs> <laughs> yeah you all right i inhaled at the same time <laughs> it's a bad idea <laughs> 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 Oh man, my body went retarded for like two <laughs> seconds. <clears throat> don't worry, audience, Listeners. it's a stutter. This is why we don't snort Parmesan cheese. <laughs> oh, it gets no. into your system quicker that way. Oh hell no, you smoke that shit. <clears throat> That's what I learned from Hunter Biden. But yeah, I'm I'm getting really tired of buying games and they're <clears throat> barely functional. Yeah. And it's like I've told you before, if you throw early access on it and knock 20 bucks off of it, I'll, I'd still buy a lot of these games, Yeah, but you have to let me know up front. Hey, we're not done with it. Yeah. I, I, I harp on fucking uh hard space shipbreaker about it. Every time I see a post from them, (laughs) they're like, you guys put this on early access on console. I will fucking buy it. Yeah. Yeah, they're I know uh, what I expecting. <laughs> <laughs> uh next update is actually gonna be full release, so for PC, yeah. Yeah, for PC. I don't know if that game's ever gonna come out on console. It, it keeps getting uh fucking 
advertised on PlayStation and, and Xbox, but who the fuck knows? Yeah. Uh so you know, since you brought up like uh, you know, you know, I'll buy I'll buy it on on early access. Uh there have been tons of games that have that have been released with like early access and we're like, oh yeah, you know, early access, you can get it here. Here's how much it costs. You're gonna get the full game as it comes out. Uh Baldur's Gates that way. Yeah. Um and that game has the long been dark was that way. Yeah. Games that 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 are actually being successful at doing that. But part of it has to do with the fact that they're interacting with their community. Yeah. They're constantly um, making patches. They're, they're constantly keep they're they're, they're telling pushing us, for success. Yeah. They're yeah. Pu- telling us we want to make this game better as it goes but we want to make sure that we're doing right by you that we're doing right by our community and when the game comes out part of that is making sure or part of part of this whole thing is like telling the essentially it's reassuring the community that you made the game better because because of you our game is success is is successful because of what you did yeah and uh larian who's uh making Baldur's gate is doing a fantastic job with this yeah they every time they they put a, a patch out They'll ask the community, hey, tell us what we did right. Tell us what we did wrong. We yeah. want to fix it based on what you guys want. And they're doing a fantastic job of fixing things that, you know, come out broken or, you know, they've even said, hey, we we enabled mod support because if there's something that you guys want that we don't have time for right now, yeah, go ahead and make it. I wouldn't be surprised if mods that uh, actually show improvements like that or anything like that end up getting like those modders end up getting paid or they ask them they ask them for the mod like themselves and pay them for it yeah they can implement it into the game they've already implemented a few things that people made mods for like with the uh the dwarf characters a lot of their beards would clip through the uh the body and somebody made a simple mod where the beard wouldn't clip through the body anymore and they said yeah hey we uh we talked to the guy and he said we could just have it yeah and that's a great example of like how a developer involves himself with the community. They turn around and they say, what we're going to do is we're going to improve our game. We're going to make our game better. The games and saying the game's not final. Now you can have the opposite happen where the game comes out, it's finalized and a developer continues to make changes. Like they're fucking you know, George Lucas working on star Wars. And that's what's kind of happening with Elden ring at this point. Yeah. Elden rings reached this really weird uh, moment of their, making improvements in some areas but in other areas they're nerfing things and in some cases they're changing certain parts of the game to prevent players from doing some of the stuff that they've been doing which is completely against the way that they talked about how like oh we're not gonna we're not gonna stop players from doing some of the cool stuff that they can do uh balancing issues is one thing but turning around and making it so an ai reacts differently so that you can't rune farm uh in the game that's complete bullshit i think that goes against everything in that game of trying to get x like how you how you can level up everything uh, everything else and the thing i want to say to you i would say to to from software with where they're with where they've been going with it is stop focusing on pvp People complain constantly about, oh, this weapon's too powerful. This weapon kicked my ass. You're in PvP. If you went in versus another player and the other player kicked your ass, that's on you. Congratulations. Maybe you should stop invading. That's my response. 
Stop with this whole, we need to rebalance weapons so that they're not as powerful in PvP. Your game is a PvE game. It is primarily a PvE one player versus everything in that fucking world. That is the main purpose of that game. Not co-op. Role-playing a victim. Yeah, (laughs) role-playing a victim. Not (laughs) co-op, not PvP. It is designed to have you go through as one person trying to become the Elden Lord. And having to go against everything in that fucking world. Everything wants to fucking kill you. Almost everything. There's almost nothing in there that is friendly. I can probably count on both hands the amount of things that I've come across that have not tried to kill me. I think what the developers should have said when people started bitching about things being too powerful in PvP. Yeah. They should have, you know, given it like a good five second pause and then said, yeah, get good scrub and then just shut it off. I've seen people just sit there like we need they need to nerf Moonvale. Fuck you. Moonvale is it, it, in the later game, Moonvale is almost unusable against uh bosses. It's almost unusable against a lot of things in the later game. Why? Cuz it's just not powerful enough. And that's after the nerf. But you you have players that they're they need to they need to bring down Moonvale because I get killed by it all the time. Because you're too much of a fucking baby about PvP in a game that's not supposed to be PvP in the begin with. It just has a PvP aspect thrown in there. If you want PvP, maybe From Software should make a separate fucking mode. Which is what I think they should have done in the first place. They should have made an arena, which is in the game already. They should have had that ah, they should have had that immediately. I guarantee you this is going to be a DLC, by the way. Based off of the area that I've, the, the area that I've gone and the breaking, uh, uh, breaking the wall stuff that I've seen when people go through and explore some of the areas in the game that aren't access, like aren't normally accessible in the game. There's an entire Coliseum that's got a gigantic fucking jar God in front of it that huh. stands there. You face off against three, like for him, you face off against three, uh, NPC invaders. You kill them. You, he gives you a uh, talisman, pretty handy, pretty handy talisman, uh, lets you carry a lot of shit because of it. But there's an entire Coliseum behind him that you can't enter. Well, if you go, if you break through the walls and get through the Coliseum, it's empty, but it's got things in there that clearly were designed to be set up for matches or something. So I think that's going to turn into, I think that's going to co- turn into the PVP arena for the game. And if it's not, God damn, FromSoft, you need to jump on that. You need to turn that into, that's the PvP arena. Stop having people invade other people's games and bring this out of the open world and put it into a contained area where they have to face one another. If people want to show off their builds and be like, this build kicks everyone else's ass versus, the, you know, and somebody else is like, no, my build kicks everybody's ass, let them go at it. This invasion bullshit sucks. Invasions suck. Co-op sucks. Create a real system that other people have been using for the past decade. I don't understand this whole nonsense of, of dedicating yourselves to the old fucking demon souls, dark souls, fucking bloodborne PVP, PVE, or uh, sorry, PVP co-op nonsense of how you bring other players in your game. It is just dumb how it's done in this game. But because of PvP, people keep fucking up my weapons and my fucking builds 
because they can't fucking get it through their head that maybe the reason why you died is the other person's just better than you. They're just better at the game. They know how to make a better build than you do. I had one guy sit there like saying, oh, well, you know, the Moonville instantly can instantly kill you. Yes, it can. If you have the right build for versus another player, because your life bar isn't a god. Your life bar isn't isn't a demigod's life bar. It's not 20,000 HP. Your life bars probably at at max. If you have all of the HP fucking talismans on at max, it's 3000. Which a moon veil can take away in three chunks, three hits. Three good hits of a charge attack. It'll take it down. Guess what? Half the fucking weapons in the game can do that. So you complaining about one fucking weapon and wanting that fucking nerfed is insane. It's the same thing I feel about other weapons when other people are like, oh, this one needs to be nerfed. This one needs to be nerfed. They ended up having to buff colossal weapons because of this shit, because they realized that they nerfed them so much that they were not being used in any fucking scenarios, especially against bosses. That's what the colossal weapons are for (laughs) is for some of those bosses. Some of the colossal weapons are literally to take on other bosses. They probably have some people from Bungie working for them. (laughs) (laughs) so stop changing your game guys focus the thing that you need to focus on from software is fixing the performance issues the fact that there's no ultra widescreen support that people are having to mod their game which essentially can be seen as cheating by the easy anti-cheat system which is trash too by the way people are having to mod their games in order to allow for ultra wide support people are having to mod their games in order to allow for basic things that they're used to for other games, even previous entries into the games, into the into their franchises. So, how about you focus on the stuff that's needed? How about you focus on the performance issues that's happening, where people are uh, are grief banning players with panties? Yeah, <laughs> you had like supposed supposedly that's been fixed in the latest patch, but it shouldn't have never happened in the first place. Like that that shouldn't be a, a thing. Like dropping equipment to fucking ban other players. That's the same shit that Malcolm Reynolds used to do in fucking Dark Souls. Yeah, I realize his name is the same as uh, Malcolm from fucking Firefly. He likes to think of himself as a rebel that's trying to fight the system. Dude, you're just a piece of shit. That's all you are. (laughs) You're a piece of shit that wants to grief other players. You're not helping. You're not you're not forcing from software to do anything. They've literally done nothing from the time that you started in Dark Souls 1, Dark Souls 2, Dark Souls 3. Never fucking changed a thing. And your whole deal is, oh, well, they should get better anti-cheat. Or you could stop being an asshole and fucking over your fellow gamers. You want to you be that guy that's the hero to everybody and gets from software to change? Attack them directly. Go for it. But you won't do that because that would mean jail time. Because that would require hacking them. So instead, all you do is just go into the game and fuck over other players. You're not a rebel. Nobody likes you. The only people who like you are other griefers like you, which is a small handful of people. There's a reason why every video you ever post gets fucking ratioed. Your mama never loved you and she dresses you funny. The issue right now with Elden Ring, I feel like, is that they're going too far with with like, oh, we're over. They're overdeveloping. They're they're trying. They're starting to cause issues rather than helping the, 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 the issues by fixing the performance problems. That they've never they've never really addressed. They've never really really addressed the stutter issues. They just kind of tell people, oh well, just change your settings. Yeah, because I mean, I hopped on last night for the first time in two weeks, and the longest stutter that I had before that was like seven or eight seconds, and I hit at least two that were t- 
12 seconds long. Yeah, I mean, let's just, he's not lying. One time we were in, uh, we were just chatting over, uh, over live while we were playing it. And all of a sudden, Josiah just starts counting and he's just counting out loud. I'm like, what are you doing? And he gets to 10 and he goes, okay, there it goes. He's like, just counting how long the stutter is taking. And it's full on freezes. And what's, what's funny is the fact that they had talked about the, the, an issue where the game stops utilizing your GPU and that they had fixed that in the second patch. Well, congratulations in patch 1.03. That is absolutely back because that's what happens every single time I get a stutter. Every time I check my CPU goes to zero and then it goes back up. That's what happens. So your, your bug is back. Whatever the fuck that was, it's, causing an issue again and you haven't fixed it it was a load bearing bug <laughs> <laughs> i had to put it back so something else would work properly <laughs> yeah broke broke something else it's what caused Rodan to to be nerfed i guess yeah and listeners just as a side note i recently beat elden ring uh it was a fantastic experience i loved uh 95 of the game i love uh there's maybe five percent that i don't and some of that stuff just has to do with some, you know, in my opinion, complete BS enemies. Uh, I think Crucible Knights are shit. Um, on top of that, I think that the final boss, I'm not going to give any spoilers, but the final boss was a little disappointing. Uh, it's a two stage. You have one part that's one boss, and then you have another part that's a different boss entirely. First boss is fantastic. That fight was cool. It's the very final one that wasn't very impressive uh, just for the move set because the move sets kind of feel like it, at one point it feels like the boss was cheesing me, which was kind of hysterical uh, when I think about it, but uh, it's move set seemed a little ridiculous. Some of it seemed just insane. And I, I won by, uh, I will say I won by absolutely sure luck, just perfect timing uh, because uh, our life bars were both completely depleted and I had no flasks uh, left to, to use. So uh, because of that, uh, I had to say that that portion was kind of a downer, but everything else was a really cool experience. I enjoyed that. I think that the rainy uh, ending is my favorite ending listeners. Uh, I'm not going to give anything away with that either, but that quest line should be an absolute requirement in the game just for the sheer lore of it. And on top of that, they need to go back and fix the audio for the uh the rainy ending because the translation is terrible uh, i've read the actual translation the actual translation actually makes sense with everything that goes on in the game and even her storyline the ending that they give you is it's kind of up for interpretation right now with the english translation of it being kind of like oh it's kind of depressing i don't know what's going on if you read the actual translation the japanese to english translation that's been put out on the internet it's very different and it's a very good, it's a, a, a much better way to interpret how things went. And it's the, the one that should be, uh, in my opinion, the canonical ending, but uh, that's just me. So anyways, uh, moving on from, from that stuff, Sonic uh, Origins. Anderson, you had, you had shared the, the trailer. We had talked about this on our own chat for a bit. And uh, it, it's, it's a solid idea. It's a, it's a cool trailer. I like the animations, the fact that they're adding in, uh, supposedly adding in uh, uh, animated uh, sections to give story and stuff like that. Very cool. But then there's the chart. 
<laughs> yeah, that's, I'm looking at it right now. And yeah, it's and uh, ridiculous. Since out of everybody in the group, you are the bigger Sonic fan. Uh, why don't you tell us a little bit about it? So Sonic Origins is coming back, and it's bringing back the all the original games. Okay. And it's going to have two basic modes on the classic mode, where you you know play as the standard characters. You got limited lives. You got to figure it out old school style. Yeah. Or anniversary mode, which they switch it over to a widescreen format. Okay. A minute of lives, you can choose who you want to play as and have saves. For our younger listeners, go play an older game when you don't have saves and you'll understand why we appreciate it. <laughs> <laughs> uh, you know, it's a great idea. The other thing on top of that is they actually hired on a full animation crew to make actual cutscenes and little storylines for the, the anniversary modes, which is fantastic. Yeah. The problem we're having is the fact that they just announced that this is going to be a pre-order, and it's like the old school pre-order days where, depending on what edition you pay for is what you get, and you got like 17 different editions. Oh. <laughs> that's really disappointing. So, it's, I, not quite, it's not quite that much. It's, that's an exaggeration. Yeah, let me correct but, myself. But it's, it's six editions. Yeah, it's, it's six editions. It's just, it seems really convoluted, and part of the reason is because some of the additions are like that they they show in the chart are literally just one's just DLC. There's no game, and, and it's and it's, there's not it's a, trying no. to sh- yeah it's separating the packs. One of them is I not I'm not kidding you when I say this. One of them is literally not nothing, but the soundtrack. So it's telling it's showing you a chart yep. saying that you can buy the soundtrack by itself, but it's set up in a chart like how you buy the game, and it makes no sense as to why they're doing it this way. Or why they're even showing it this way. It, so it, it, when, you, when you actually go through and analyze like what's actually the game and what's actually the game with DLC, I think it's only two versions. <laughs> oh, okay. Because <laughs> yeah. I, I watched the trailer last night before I fell asleep. And you know, I'm pretty excited for this, actually, because I loved the older Sonic games. Yeah, it's, it's, the, sa- it's the same confusion that happened with Anthem. Yeah. Remember that fucking dumbass chart? That they had yeah it's the same confusion with that because you get with this you get this with this you get that with this you get that like and everybody's going so if i buy if i pre-order it i get this if i don't pre-order it, i get this if i buy the deluxe edition i get all of this if i get the ultimate whatever version i get this and, an, and a couple extra suits and but mods, i don't get but this I don't from get the this deluxe edition. from the deluxe edition like it it's that confusing because they go from here's the regular game here's what you get and then right next to it is here's the dlc pack it doesn't include the regular game next to that i think is like the the here's the uh <laughs> the uh music pack and then you like and it goes down the line and then all of a sudden you finally get to the to the actual game editions that include the other dlc and you'll see one that says in like Anderson is, is, am I wrong? Like one doesn't, doesn't include the anniversary edition stuff. Okay. So I want to break down. <laughs> Holy like shit. I said, like I said, it's, yeah. it's super confusing. Yeah, I what I saw. And I'm like, I've tried, I said, they're trying to figure it, it out. Like, chat. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. He just linked it to the group chat and this is way more confusing than the Anthem chart was. <laughs> yeah. It's not, not, not pretty. And, uh, 
Yeah, so Anderson, when you when you saw that shit as a fan, were were you like did did it did it go did did you go like the instant like Jesus Christ like put your hand in your <laughs> your head in your hand? No, the, like, but this the is hell? confirmation of why I stopped pre-ordering games. Oh, okay, yeah, I get that. For me as a fan, I just want the game. And when you throw way too much at me, you just made me not interested. Yeah, so <laughs> I think somebody should uh, just mail it, mail in a hundred key rings and see if they get the game for free. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so you for the standard edition, you get the main game. You have uh, one hundred bonus coins that are locked behind uh, pre-order. You have a mirror mode which is locked behind a pre-order. You have a letterbox background which is locked behind a pre-order then now, next you have on a the, side note before listeners know mirror mode can be unlocked in the game old school just playing the game and unlocking it okay uh well this says unlocked with pre-order so uh it just says unlockable in game but it says un- unlocked with pre-order. i watched a uh, yeah. pre-order trailer by sega it says that they said you can unlock it by just putting playing okay. the game uh, yeah, it's a piss poor graphic. Yeah. So so next to that so next to the that is you have the the start dash pack, which people are going. So what is what's the start dash? Well, that's that's just DLC. That's free DLC when you pre order. Why is this on the chart? <laughs> well, nobody fucking knows. Okay. So that there's no reason for that to be on the park or on the chart. Then you have the the free fun or the premium fun pack, not free. The premium fun pack which is a DLC pack that's coming soon. That's hard missions. So a hard mode, the letterbox background character animation in the, in the menu, you're locking character animation in the menu behind later DLC. Okay. Uh, you have camera controls over the, uh, the main menu islands. Like which I I don't know what that means because I haven't seen any of the game, like any of the actual game stuff. Uh, character animations during character animations during music islands. I don't know what the fuck that even means. Uh, the additional uh, then the additional music tracks, which isn't included in the fun pack, but that's included in the classic music pack. What? And then you go to you finally get to the actual other release of the full game which is the digital deluxe edition, which comes with everything. The cool part is, is I'm looking at it. Um, it's 45 bucks for the digital deluxe. Okay. And uh, regulars 40. So, yeah. but here's the thing. If they had just shown the two versions and just and said just what they there. came with and that's it, that would have been way better. I know. <laughs> I see where you're going with no, it. No one would have questioned it. All they had to do is put next to the things that were still coming soon is coming soon. Yeah. Coming soon. Coming soon. Not, not here's not, here's a different pack. Here's a different package. Cause here's the crazy part in that chart. It says the digital deluxe edition and right next to it shows the starter dash pack again. Yeah. What the fuck Sega dude, you guys released this amidst the other rumors that you guys are going to, going to implement nfts still right like how dumb is your marketing team how the, uh, how first, is it the fuck how the fuck is it that i after 15 years of working as a, as a designer couldn't find a job 
uh, with with gain, I should say gainful employment that was actually worth a damn outside of me doing freelance for years. How is it that I could not find a steady, good job and you have people that do this fucking nonsense? Virgo, I can answer that question. Oh, because I'm, an, I'm not a yes man? <laughs> no, that has nothing to do with that. What? As somebody who has worked retail way too fucking long, if you have common sense, you'll never get promoted. <laughs> yeah, that's fucking true. Yeah, yeah. You, you have to have the capacity of failing upwards. And when I first saw the uh, that upgrade or not upgrade additions uh, chart, it was the first thing I brought up to Vargo was like, "Are they selling me the options menu?" Yeah, it was. It was. Yeah, <laughs> it, it's it, that. No joke. He asked that like because it's so fucking convoluted. You're like, "What the fuck is this?" And that's kind of what it sounds like when they're like animations over you know, over main menu and stuff like that. Like, so wait, you're selling yeah. me features for the main menu? As bonus content? Order the premium edition if you Jesus. want to play in color. What the, f- what the fuck, Sega? Like, how? But if you get the legendary edition, we'll allow you to save your game instead of having to fail. Or we'll allow you to have <laughs> manual saves. So I have to ask, Anderson, are you, like, are you still planning on getting it? Or are you going to wait and find out what the fuck is actually going on? Oh, I don't do pre-orders anymore. That's a smart choice. Even uh, I picked up the new Lego Star Wars and I still waited like a week after it came out. Yeah, you just want to make sure it's not going to be, you know, not going to be shit or buggy. Uh, I picked up uh, there was the only reason Josiah and I ever, uh, ever pre-ordered listeners uh, Elden Ring is because of the incredible fucking price we got for it, which we I still haven't seen return. So it's one of those things like, yeah, that that was worth it, even with all the fucking bullshit and problems that we've had on, on the PC version. Still got it for uh, 40 bucks. Yeah, still got it for $40. So I'm sitting there going, well, you know, it's it's not <laughs> it's not as bad as it could have been for me. Yeah. But had I paid full price, I'd probably be a lot more pissed off yeah, than I am right now. You'd be getting a lot, lot different reviews um, <laughs> at $60 from us. <laughs> there's very few games that I'll pre-order anymore. Like I no such thing as a perfect game, right? Right. Um, like I but pre-ordered it should be good. <laughs> it should yeah. be. I pre-ordered uh, triangle strategy and Kirby. Yeah. Outside of uh, Elden ring. And that was just so they could be shipped to my house instead of me having to go somewhere and pick it up. But for digital games there, I don't pre-order digital games. The last anymore. one I did was Lego Lego star Wars. And part of that was because you had a, didn't you have like a credits that you needed to use or something like that? No, I haven't, I haven't used that up yet. I'm saving it okay. for a uh, Stanley parable. I'm the one that uh, used bonus Comes out next week. got it for five bucks. Yeah. You know, but it's one of those things like I, I felt confident in doing so because I was confident in Lego games. And while Lego star Wars, Skywalker saga has plenty of glitches on the series X, it's all negligible. Question, were the more part, of the glitches in the, the Palpatine trilogy or in the Skywalker saga? Uh, I ran into more <laughs> issues as I went on further, so technically the third installment. The, the, <laughs> the, <laughs> wow, just like the movies. I literally yeah. at one point heard Miles ye- yell, fuck you, Ray. <laughs> yeah, I, like, I, I fucking hate you, Ray. <laughs> <laughs> Laugh my ass off of that. 
Yeah, she got she got in the way or some shit. Yeah. I don't fucking remember. Yeah, you were telling uh, me about it, but it made me laugh. <laughs> but you know, that's one of those things. I was I was confident in the pre order because it's Lego. You know, they've got a, a track record, so I know yeah. exactly what to expect. Yeah, you've given me no reason to part. doubt you yet, so I'm going to do this. Well, that's what I was yeah. going to say. The only games that I pre-order anymore are for my Switch because I get physical copies. And okay. Nintendo games are at least worth the money that I paid for. Yeah, first-party titles with Nintendo are usually really solid. I haven't had an experience where it was just completely broken. Uh, I should say outside of when I was a kid in, in the 1980s <laughs> um, where a first-party Nintendo title was just not good. Yeah, back in the uh, the Wild West days. Yeah. We had to shoot each other in the streets. Because <laughs> a guy looked at you wrong. Of course, I lived in California, so part of that is true. You wanted to play a first-person shooter. You made the news. <laughs> <laughs> I guess say I guess like Sonic fans are kind of they're one confused by the chart, and two they're a little disappointed in the stuff that Sega has been talking about and what they're wanting to do. Originally, when I heard about Sonic Origins, I thought they were doing a complete remaster uh, kind of deal. And instead of what they're doing is they're kind of doing a uh, resed up version, kind of like with a Chrono Cross or a Chrono, is it a Chrono Cross or Chrono, Chrono, Chrono Trigger? Which one's the one that came out uh, recently that was a re-release? I think it's uh, Chrono Cross. Okay. Uh, it's one that has to do with time and stuff like it's basically a Final Fantasy game, just different characters. It was like one of their, their first original IPs that uh, Square Enix had made in the RPG genre since Final Fantasy. Yeah. Uh, when it came to when it came to PlayStation one. Look that up, actually, because that I, one's I've been eyeballing it because I remember playing that back in the day and it was great game. Yeah. Yeah. Fantastic. fantastic story. I was terrible at it. So I ended up watching my friend Chris play through the entire thing. Solid guy. I've known a lot of good Chris's. <laughs> Miles, <laughs> yeah, Chrono Cross uh, just came out it anymore. <laughs> <laughs> Tired getting it from both ends, <laughs> <laughs> but basically, uh, it's just a resed up version of the original title from the PlayStation One that's been brought over, uh, made into HD. But it's not, it's not a remaster, or it's not it's just it's a, it's not a uh, a remake. It's just what the it's literally what a definition of a remaster would be of taking the old, you know, taking the old, bringing it up to what the new standard is in resolution or uh, clarity. And that's it. It's not, you know, it's not the you know high res textures it's, it's really nothing like that. And that's kind of what they do with Sonic of they're just bringing over the old, making it so that it works on an HD television and taking away what you usually get, which is HD lag. Uh, when trying to use old analog uh, systems with an HD TV. That's why you end up having to have converters and it causes even more lag. Yeah. Makes, makes doing platformers harder on older systems with newer equipment or newer televisions. But uh, that's what they're doing with the, the Sonic origins is they they've taken that and just resed it up and like, all right, well, you know, we're, we're resing it up. And a lot of people are like, Oh, well, you know, I'll still be excited for it and still playing it. For me, it's one of those things like, I would have rather you guys had made a remake and made the same side scrolling awesomeness that you've that you've done in the past but just make it look modern assets yeah with modern assets absolutely uh and maybe even change the water temple just 
a thought. Because, uh, I mean, it's, it's so bad that they made fun of it in the fucking movie. Uh, the, it, it was one of the main staples of why everybody hates water levels. Yeah. It was that fucking game. Yeah, it truly is. Although uh, I, had, I had to laugh when I saw the uh, the trailer for it, and it was like, oh, yeah, you can play as Knuckles right from the get-go. I was like, well, that's just cheating. I would totally do that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he's easy mode. Um, yeah, so we'll, we'll see how... Uh, how it performs one why or one into what fans, how fans actually react to it for the release. I have a feeling that some of the, the pre-order stuff that they're doing, like it always makes me worried when they do this kind of stuff. Anderson, correct me if, if you, you think otherwise, but when they start to do stuff like this, where it's a benefit, it's just listing a bunch of uh, pre-order benefits of you get this, you get this, you get this, that stuff always comes across as like, Oh, well, you're just trying to push the games that you have pre-orders and you're not like, to me, when you have pre-orders, you you take less concern with making sure the game's an actual finished product. I have one word for this whole situation because of that chart. Yeah. Anthem. Yeah, it feel you know, it kind of feels like that kind of situation of you're you're trying to bamboozle me. <laughs> I like that term. I like that term. It's fun. You've been bamboozled. You've been bamboozled. You're trying to you're trying to pull the wool over my eyes to make me think that I'm getting a benefit by pre-ordering. And when the game comes out, there's no guarantee if it's going to be good. No guarantee that it's going to be good. And we kind of got that with Anthem of like, yeah, we played the beta. We played, we played the, the, the beta. We played the demo. And they were basically the same. We're like, all right, well, yeah, when, when the actual game comes out, there's going to be more to this because it's just a demo. It's just a beta. No, that was the actual game. That was fucking uh, an eye opener and a half for us. To, to figure that out, to learn that the game that we had been looking at the entire time wasn't the game we were going to be getting and that the game that we had played was exactly what we were going to end up with, that there was no improvements beyond that, that it was, it was the, the beta itself was the actual full game pretty much. I mean, beyond that beta, the, the game doesn't go much farther. <laughs> it didn't take us much longer to beat it or to, to get through it it feels like that kind of similar situation of like, Oh, well, even though, even though it's the original games, you know what the original games are and stuff like that. There's no guarantee that they're going to work correctly or that they've done a good job of, of porting them over. You could end up in a situation much like what we get with uh, Nintendo uh, and their emulator of, well, this is not what the game originally looked like, or this is how the game originally performed. And, you know, you, you, feel like there's this lack of quality. There's this lack of uh, passion behind the developers that they were just like, Hey, here it is. Quick buck. Uh, I'm not saying it's going to actually happen listeners, but that's how it feels like. It feels like that's what's going to end up happening is you're going to end up with a game. That's not as polished as what you remember, or doesn't work as well as it, as it should. Uh, Fire it up to, like, and it goes to the get cuts from the menu. Flash player needs an update. <laughs> right. Your flash player needs an update. I can't get flash anymore. What the fuck is it talking about? Speaking of old school games, but you know, obviously having a new update or twist on it, we just got some news finally from uh, the publisher Dot Emu and Tribute Games on Ninja Turtle Shredder's Revenge. Yeah. They came out and they announced they are still on schedule for trying to release in the early fall. On top of that, the one of the cool news they said is they got uh, SAG to agree 
So the original cast of the 1980s cartoon Ninja Turtles will be voicing their own characters for the game. And they got the rights to do all the Ninja Turtle fighting games. Nice. So Shredder's Revenge is a new Ninja Turtle game coming out, but it's going to play like the old school arcade games, obviously, with some of the updates that we've had in modern retro games. So it's a huge Ninja Turtle game. Like, we haven't really had a good Ninja Turtle game in a long time. Yeah, that's true. I think the last one we have is probably when they try to do like an HD remaster of Turtles in Time. Yeah, because I mean they had they had a couple of beat 'em ups that they did that were just the that were based off the at the time the current uh, Nickelodeon series, and those just weren't very good. They weren't very well you made. Know, I played a couple games, the newer stuff. It just feels like since the '90s, the Turtles haven't had a good game. I'll be looking forward to it. Um, I'm not going to pre-order it, obviously. <laughs> And uh, part of that is just because I want to see if it's going to come to Game Pass. Uh, because recently they had a uh, Sniper Elite Five was announced for Game Pass, and yep. uh, that was that's a series that I've bought every single Sniper Elite. And uh, I saw that I was like, "Wow, thanks Microsoft for for saving me some money. I appreciate that." I have no <laughs> idea how much I appreciate Game Pass for that. Well, I was about to and say you could, get that. I thought we're going to bring up a Streets of Rage Four. That's falling off again. That's pass. that's removed from Game Pass, yeah. Yeah. But it did start yeah, I think off it's on Game leaving Pass, this so week. it was on there for a couple of years. Yeah, I think you're right, Miles. Uh yeah, it started out on uh on uh game or on Game Pass day one. Yeah. Uh the downside of that years. one was uh the lack of four player co op. For a yeah. beat 'em up that should <laughs> absolutely have four player co op. Yeah. Well, you know, online co-op is uh, an unknown technology at this point. So. Yeah, apparently, you know, fucking Lego doesn't even know it exists. Anyways, getting back on track. Uh, Anderson, do you have anything else in your notes? Uh, some weird gaming news. Go for it. Uh, the Rock, uh, Dwayne Johnson, is going to be producing a live action of It Takes Two. I heard about that. I thought that they were going to do the, I thought like part of the, like I thought that the, the thing that was kind of more appealing to that, that whole thing was one, the gameplay and two, the animation style that they used, like the, the visual style they used for those characters. I don't see how they would go live action without doing I, animation. Well, yeah. I mean, I think the majority of it is going to be animation. Uh, just, it's going to be a weird, like realistic Sultered. looking animation or like, or something like that. Like, I don't see this being one. I don't see this being one, a, a very good movie because in all honesty, listeners, it's about the two worst parents on the planet uh, <laughs> who decide that they're going to dis they're This is literally the, story about the just, worst, but pretty bad. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I'm, I'm being hyperbolic. You're right. Uh, no, it's it, when, when I say like worst parents, like it's two parents who claim to care for their child who turn around and say they're going to fucking kill or destroy and rip up her toy to try and get her to cry again because they think that's the thing that caused them to turn into puppets or, or dolls. Just what the fuck? Like the moment miles and I, so miles and I went through, it takes two because you know, we felt like we were a couple and we needed some therapy. So we thought that was the best way to go about it. Uh, but, uh, we go it's through free therapy. It, it's free therapy. Uh, and, uh, so we go through it and it was, it was a good experience. It was, it was a lot of fun, but overall, the thing that kept coming back to us was, man, these two people are not good parents. 
they're not good people like because yeah. of what they wanted to do to try and get to their to to the end of their outcome and I was like and it, and it made no sense as to like why they thought that that would be the thing that would work but like because the the whole time they didn't want to focus on their relationship never mind the amount of times the book told them to in the the game or the game they still kept thinking oh what we have to do is you know destroy this destroy our child's favorite toy to it, which leads to one of the most horrific moments moments <laughs> in gaming in gaming i mean it's, it's just it's funny sad but it's dark <laughs> it's so dark and sad like you're just like what the fuck is wrong with these two but uh yeah it was it was my game of the year for that year too yep uh, was I mean, didn't have a whole lot to compete with, to be honest. But no, at the same time, <laughs> uh, you know, because of that, it was a good game. Um, so I, yeah, I don't, I don't see how a, a live action movie is going to be very good or entertaining, uh, or even like you're you're going to end up with people like me who are going to go. These characters aren't very good people. Like I, if they do, if they do go along the lines of the game, uh. And then you're going to have other people who are just like, eh, this doesn't really appeal to me or this, this isn't very good because it doesn't translate very well. And I think that's what you're going to end up with. And I, it's, it's one of those things where it's still going to be a, a, a movie based off of a game. And that has, that comes with a lot of uh, stigmatism of it's not going to be good right away. All right. Uh, yeah, if they're just using the general concept and they're just going to do their own story, but with the, the same, you know, skeletal structure, yeah. you know, then I could see it maybe working out. But yeah, this is one of those few times where not maybe not following the, the game is probably a good idea. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Make your own Overall, story. Make your own story a little bit. Or maybe make better characters <laughs> than what was in the game. Uh, but I mean, to this day, like uh, Anderson, you've brought this up before with me. Uh, we've talked about it. Uh, the best movie or best game to movie translations have been uh, Detective Pikachu and Sonic. And uh, Sonic Two, I went and saw that in theaters. That was good. It was a lot of fun. It was a it was a great uh, adventure story. I saw that with Anderson and. We enjoyed it. It was it was a good time. They had a lot of great references to the games. Uh, I mean, the my favorite. I think my overall favorite reference was the reference to water levels and uh, the fact that Sonic says he can't swim. And they did a great job with the water, like referencing the water temple in it. And that was kind of a good. Like there were lots of good nods to Sonic, the Sonic game movies or the games uh, throughout of just kind of poking fun at them and and keeping it lighthearted and energetic throughout the film. There were a couple of weird hokey family, like family comedy moments in it that I felt weren't necessary. They kind of made me go, oh, all right, whatever. But overall it was a fun experience and the really the game or the, the, the movie, sorry, I keep saying it back and forth. Uh, the movie picks up towards the end and that's where a lot of the fun is. Yeah, it took a little while to get there. Yeah. I think I was in a good mood because I think I have my new favorite food item from the uh from the uh breakfast bar there or the uh the food bar there. Yeah. Sonic 2 though, I enjoyed the movie thoroughly. I would agree it was a slow to start. 
I actually kind of like the family hokiness. I would say it's probably the best family movie we're going to get this year. Um, yeah, I mean, I could see that. Uh, in my opinion, if you're looking to go see it or thinking about going to see it, especially if you have a kid, yeah, they're going to have a blast. It's going to, it's a good time. Idris Elba does a great job as Knuckles. He was very funny. Um, and, uh, a lot of that is just kind of the dry, uh, delivery that he has for it of just ultra super serious. So to be fair, uh, Idris Elba kills most of his roles. Yes, this is true. Uh, he's a fantastic actor, so it's hard for him not to. And he has a a very distinct voice. You, I mean, it's one of those guys like that's Idris Elba. Like you, you can kind of pick him out, right? So he had like he he has this kind of presence with him. And when you when you juxtapose Idris Elba, you know, Knuckles versus uh, I can't remember the actor's name, but who he plays uh, who plays Sonic, you have those two different kind of. Uh, styles and personalities it's uh it creates this this kind of cool combination and uh so far they're doing a good job of building up a sonic universe a a sonic cinematic universe and i'm excited for the next one they definitely have a after uh, an after credits uh kind of scene and it's uh, not all the way at the end listeners it's like a a mid credits right it's after the the, uh start it's after it's after the start yeah the, the start credits so that is going to lead up to, I'm hoping going to lead up to something fun and really cool. Uh, Jim Carrey knocks it out of the park as freaking uh, Eggman. Um, Which he did Robotnik something I did not great. know about the movie that makes me like Jim Carrey a little more. Mm-hmm. Uh, this movie, he actually didn't take a paycheck. He donated all his money to the boys and girls club. Yeah, that, that's, oh. that's really cool. As crazy as he may be, he, has at least shown that uh, for the most part, his heart's in the right place. Seeing him get back to kind of just being goofy and fun that I, I'm hoping that that has, that kind of gives him more of a better, a bigger love for the stuff that he used to do and uh, the stuff that he can, that he can accomplish. And he's also said, you know, he's retiring from, from uh, acting, but uh, Anderson, you were telling me he had, uh, he said that uh, unless it was so from Sonic something- films, right? I was about to say, he said the similar thing that Jack Black, or Jack Black announced. He wants to take a break from retire. He said he's retiring from acting, but he will continue to do Robotnik. Yeah. As long as he keeps the same <clears throat> kind of contract he had this last time. Nice. And Jack Black did the same thing. He said he'd continue to play as R.L. Stein if they would let him do that with the same contract. Nice. Yeah, and I'd actually like to see them do another uh, uh, Goosebumps, to be honest. Those are fun. Fun family films. Uh, there's nothing wrong with them, as long as they're not, you know, straight to straight to DVD Disney. <laughs> Those are hokey and shit. Yeah, and uh, I wanted to see um, Dumbledore, uh, Fantastic Beasts, but Anderson <laughs> quickly talked us out of that. Like I was already kind of on the fence because of how the series had gone. Because the first, like, don't get me wrong, listeners, I still had a good time with the second film, and I thought it was worth seeing at the time. Uh, but after and looking at the first film again, going back and watching that and then watching the second one and going, man, like they really should have just stuck with what, what was great about the first film, which is, you know, Newt and Jacob. going through and, and, and Jacob and learning about these fantastic beasts and how, what it took to create his book, that stuff should have been the main focus. And instead they, they twisted it and turned it into this Grindelwald, uh, Dumbledore film franchise 
that they had planned for five films, apparently. And uh, they were just seeing how after the the second one didn't do so well, they were going to see how the third one did. And the third one's not getting any better reviews. In fact, I think it's getting worse reviews than the second one did. On top of that, you had that whole nonsense that was going nonsense that happened with Johnny Depp. The fact that they you know they canceled his contract. Don't get me wrong, uh, Mads Mikkelsen. Excuse me, Mads Mikkelsen was actually the first pick that Miles had brought up for playing Grindelwald. And I would agree with that one. Yeah, and, he he did fantastic. And in my uh, head, that's whose face I imagine as Grindelwald. Well, yeah, actually. that's that. That's he, who he does I think. such a good fucking bad guy. Like, not that Johnny Depp doesn't do this, but he's an actor that sells menacing without yeah. looking menacing. And yeah. Johnny, same Depp, thing with uh, Christoph Waltz. Yeah, you know, they Absolutely. just have that it factor when it comes to just serious bad fucking nose <laughs> yeah uh absolutely and i'm Matt's, the only actor that cannot do those guys and he just always scares me as william defoe <laughs> well william defoe is that that guy has the day, creepiest grin that's ever existed nightmares. i think in cinema um <laughs> but matt like mads mickelson uh he does he does menacing without looking menacing and johnny depp did menacing, but he had to look menacing. Like they, they had to do the weird eye, uh, and kind of make him more threatened, look more threatening than what I always imagined Grindelwald being, which is somebody who is a little more suave, was a little more, uh, a little more like Dumbledore, just his exo- his, his opposite of the fact of he looks like somebody who could turn on you on a dime and really fuck your shit up. Well, that but, and the fact that the uh, the body shape and size, because in the books he is Northern European, yeah. Which is sometimes like if you look at the kind of like the stereotypes, of, like when you think of like Northern European shapes and size, I don't think Johnny Depp. Well, he's from Kentucky. Yeah, <laughs> but I don't even think of him as somebody from Kentucky. Uh, he sells British pretty well. Uh, Mads looks like he could be somebody who's very imposing, who could who could stand in front of you. And just kind of stare in your eyes and you just be like, okay, this is kind of an imposing figure. Whereas Johnny Depp looks like somebody who's just an intellectual could easily just be your professor. And that's yeah, it. Pulls off a better of a puppet master. Yeah. Agreed. And while Grindelwald has that Mads presents the, the characteristic that Dumbledore has of this is somebody who gets what they want. They get it through, they get it through means of sometimes manipulation. And sometimes being uh, imposing. And Dumbledore is kind of that way in the fact of in the good side of the wizarding world, he got things that he wanted by being very sometimes imposing to other people, but also, you know, because he was powerful, but at the same time, also being able to manipulate people to do what he wanted, which is where they were going with Newt of like Newt was supposed to be this character that is. Uh, acting on behalf of Dumbledore without Dumbledore having to physically do it because he supposedly can't, you know, go up against uh, Grindelwald because of a promise that they made. And that's listeners. That's also in the books. Um, it's a, a blood contract. Yeah. So they go against it. They gets cursed. Yeah. But because they like, because they have this shift of like, all right, we're going Dumbledore and Grindelwald. You have a universe that you have, you have a, an additional part of the universe you're having to build. Whereas with Newt, and and uh the fantastic Jacob. beast book uh, i'm just saying in the fantastic beast book you don't have this additional world that you have to build because that bo- that 
world was established in Harry Potter of this book exists, these creatures exist, this is the wizarding world that you know, and not a wizarding world you're having to discover. And when they're going the route of bringing in the politics of the world, bringing in the war, bringing in uh, Riddlewald, Dumbledore, all that shit, you're having to learn an entire other portion of the wizarding world that most of us don't care about or don't even like because most like it feels like so much of it is ass backwards for that world that you're like, man, I would feel like I, I felt like the wizards were always just kind of a little bit more one step of the head of the curve, but no, they're just dumb in a lot of ways. And you're just like, man, all right, well so much for enlight for, for magic being enlightening or the, the things that you experience or your, your kind of experience from the muggles to you being more enlightening. Instead, you're just as dumb as the muggles can be. So it kind of takes away from the film, takes away from the magic, takes away from the want of like wanting to go see it. So when you said like when, when the Johnny Depp stuff happened, I was like, all right, well, uh, as much as I like Mads and I'd like to see him play the role. And that was the first person that, Ma- that Miles had suggested originally. Uh, and then they ended up bringing him in. I'm like, I'd like to see him play the role, but at the same time, I'm like, I'm don't want to support the fact that they, they canceled the guy and his job just because of fucking bullshit. That wasn't even real. Uh, that, mm-hmm. that he was Here's accused that. of. <laughs> was, yeah. This, and then they turn around and they, they, one didn't apologize for what they did. They kept, uh, they, they didn't, didn't treat either one of them equally. They fucking bat, you know, fucking ruined his career and not his wife's. So I was like, I don't, I'm not going to give my money to, to this company fuck fuck warner brothers they're fucking idiots uh i don't want to i don't want to give them the satisfaction of knowing that i went and saw this when they did when they acted that way i want them to know i didn't go see this because you guys are assholes i didn't go see this because it doesn't look as good as it, as it should be and i'll just wait for hbo max and then anderson goes and sees it and anderson surprises the shit out of us because anderson <laughs> usually doesn't have Usually doesn't have that much of a negative opinion about a lot of films, if, especially if it's a franchise that he likes. Anderson will tell you, like Anderson, you've recommended dog shit movies to me, <laughs> and, on the, and said that they were great and you loved them. And so, like, it, it, this is why I've had the caveat: like, well, I can't fully trust your opinion on everything, but I'll listen to it. So when Anderson comes back and says this isn't really worth seeing in theaters, I went, what? Like. That was big. That's a, that's a the listeners. When, if Anderson, if Anderson comes back and says, it's not worth seeing in theaters, that's an opinion worth listening to <laughs> because wow. Like yeah. this is a guy that likes Harry Potter. He knows the Harry Potter universe. He knows the ex, the, the extended universe more than I do and comes back and is like, yeah, it's not worth seeing. I rather, and, and uh, I think you, you were telling me that you would have rather seen them just focused on, the original fantastic beast. Like that's, that's what you wanted. I think that's what we all want. Yeah. I mean, that's that was Rowling's intent behind writing. Hence it. is the name of yeah. the franchise is fantastic beast. And this movie shouldn't even be called fantastic beast. This movie should have been called Dumbledore loves Grindelwald. <laughs> but I love you. It's not over. Dumbledore v. Griswold. <laughs> I was about to say Griswold. Yeah. That'd be an entirely different movie. That probably would have been a better movie. 
Yeah, this movie yeah. should have been Dumbledore Hearts Grindelwald. Yeah. But Dumbledore loves Grindelwald. Um This movie has the least amount of time of Newt in it. Yeah, and that's one of the other complaints I've heard is that Newt's not really he's a side character now. He's not even really the main character. Dumbledore takes pretty much center stage as is Grindelwald, and that's what the movie's about. And it's a bizarre movie. It's the way it was just done. It was very weird. Yeah, and you've it's, said that the movie could end here, or the franchise could really end here. Yeah. Um, well, they with, they wrap up. So when you watch the second movie, from the first movie to the third movie, you get these branching storylines, and at yeah. the end of this movie, they wrap up a lot of the storylines. Okay. And it's down to just two storylines. Did they get rid of Ezra Miller? Uh, are we gonna do a spoiler cast? No, just you can just tell me if yeah they they succinctly make sure this he doesn't story, not need to be this, in the franchise at the end anymore. of this movie. It ends Credence's storyline. Okay, that's good. I'm not much for cancel culture, but that guy needs to needs to get out of acting. Okay. Fuck, he needs man. to get into a jail cell. He needs to get into a fucking jail cell. Fucking stay there. Fucking this movie was done, I, I, I wonder if they really were planning to end it with this movie just because how much of the storyline they just end at the end of this movie. I think what they did was they'd already planned on this potentially being the end. Yeah, and that's... So they wrapped up a ton of things. Because it's like Anderson was saying, there's only like a couple, you know, little plot lines that they didn't wrap up, but yeah. they wrapped up a lot of Oh, you of and Sut too? Yeah. Wow. I even posted in the chat when Did I got I done. That? Yeah. Yeah. Sorry. I must have missed it. I posted in the chat as soon as the credits rolled. I was like, yeah, this could have been a rental. Oof. Like, it, well, it'll be on, it'll be on listeners. It'll be on HBO max at the end of uh, next month. So it's worth yeah. watching once. Yeah. But I mean, I me and Ashley went and saw it and even walking out of the theater. She was like, yeah, that was kind of disappointing. Yep. Uh, yeah, but I'm the only ones I've heard. Yeah. Yeah, she's she's a bigger Harry Potter fan than I am. Like she knows more of the universe than I do because I've only watched the movies. Yeah, and uh, yeah, we were walking out, and she's like, "Yeah, that was kind of disappointing." I was like, "Okay, good. It wasn't just me." It, you know, you you get less of Newt, you get less of the, uh, the creatures, the creatures. Which is, I when when I got home from the theater, I went and rewatched the first one again. Still love that movie. Yep. And then I watched the second one after it, and I was like, "How how do you go from?" you know, fun adventures with animals and, uh, you know, the non-magical guy to wizard politics. Right. Yeah. I just, they should have stuck with, I make that the side plot, not, you know, the, the creatures and all that. Yeah. It would have been, it would have been better if that stuff had been going on in the background and created, I would have been fine with it going on in the background, focusing on Newt and the creatures and Jake and all that stuff. And then in the background, hearing about what was going on in the wizarding world and maybe even creating an offshoot separate franchise that dealt with those events, not bringing in fantastic beasts to deal with those events. Yeah. And everyone has taught everyone I've, I've heard from has said the same thing of like, that's the derailment of it's not fun because of this. It's not, you know, it's not, a, it's not as, it doesn't feel as a good movie. It feels well, like it's just, just thrown together call the elephant out and say they literally took the magic out of the movie. That's yeah. That's a good point. I mean, yeah. it's a, it's a good analogy for it. Um, so yeah, the only, I, the only politic I think I would have kept in the main storyline if I rewrote it was just the whole, uh, marrying a muggle issue. 
I was the only one. Yeah, I dealing with kept, dealing with that. Just focus on Newt and Jacob, because yeah. Jacob is like if you rewatch the first movie, and I highly recommend the first movie. Jacob is there to see the eyes through a new set of eyes for the franchise. Because you're dealing with somebody who's yeah, a muggle that didn't know anything, and he he gets wrapped up in this crazy story. Yeah, he's the audience. He's the audience as if if they were dealing with that situation. He's he's and, that you person. Know, he's still, he's the me, equivalent of he's the equivalent of uh, what's his name from Ghostbusters? God damn it, Winston. Winston. Ernie. Oh, Winston. Yeah. Yeah, Ernie Hudson. Uh, he's he's Winston in Ghostbusters. Yeah. He's the audience dealing with this nonsense <laughs> in the world. He's the regular guy of having to live in this shit. Uh, and that's yeah, that's what that's where those connections come from. And you feel like, oh, I'm I'm this guy. This is me having to deal with this. This is great. Uh, Jacob's actually, in my opinion, the best part of the new movie because he still has that magic. You just don't get much screen time with him. Yeah, I think you're right. They had planned on like. What if we don't get another film? We need to make sure we wrap up a bunch of stuff in this film because literally Warner Brothers has made, they've made the statement of that everything that hinges on how well the third film goes on whether or not it's going to make the next two. And why would I go see two for two more films like this? This seems like it's, it's pretty much wrapped up. Yeah. You're taking the magic uh, out of it and you focused on the drama that was originally not there in the first yeah, place. Cause the, if you read the books, I had to break this to you fans and you know, I don't care what you are. But in the books, Grindelwald and Dumbledore were best friends, not lovers. Yeah, it wasn't until J.K. Rowling wanted a virtue signal, and she years later decided that Dumbledore was gay. I heard it, and I was like, okay, like I, I don't see how that makes any difference. It's just a fucking book. It's a child's book. It doesn't matter to me. But she wanted, she wanted the LGBT, you know, alphabet soup community to be in love with her for, for making that a thing. Because they wanted that to be a thing. And that was it. They wanted to have a gay character in her film or in her, in her franchise. And she said, yeah, well, uh, Dumbledore's gay. Um, and this movie shoves it in your face. And yeah. And that's the thing is like in people, the, the weird thing is like, so in China, they've made edits to make sure that that's not yeah, a thing. A lot there. of edits because this movie really does shove it in yeah. your face. And oh, yeah. Remind you they made it sound like minutes. it was, they made it sound like it was six seconds. It's a lot longer than six seconds. Uh, but they took it out in China and they're like, oh, well, it's not it's not that big of a deal in the, in the film. Well, if it's not that big of a deal in the film, why is it in the film in the first place? OK. And on top of that, if it if it's in, in the US, if it's integral to the characters and absolutely needs to be a part of the film. Then why did you edit out for China? Oh, because China doesn't allow gay imagery anymore right now because China is anti-gay now. It's now an issue with them. They feel because they've been seeing what's going on in the West with the woke of saying, Oh, it's feminizing our men. But that's what China's stance is, is that they've decided that that's the case. So because of that, Hollywood's willing to bend the knee to China say, Oh yeah, we'll, we'll just edit out these sections. They did it with, they, they were trying to do it with the Eternals until the Eternals was completely rejected because the, or the CCP didn't like the, the director uh, for the film. So that, that movie never even came out there. Uh, but now in, in this, they've decided, oh, well, what we're going to do is to make it CCP friendly. We're going to edit out these sections of the film. Okay. So if they're not important to the film, then why are they in our version? If they are important and they're part of the uh, representation and part of making sure that you're taking a stand, you're making a statement. Well, then they're important there too. 
and you should be telling China, go shout up your ass. This stays, the film stays the same. If you don't like it, jog on. That's what made Western movies so great for a long time. Yeah. Tell, telling other countries, you don't like it. Go make Fuck your own. you. Go make your own shit. Now, my last gripe with this movie, I think Josiah probably agree with me, is they tried to blend three genres into one movie and it just didn't come out well. So they tried to mix a drama, a political thriller, and a heist movie into one movie. Oh, Jesus. <laughs> Christ. It was, it was handled and it so terribly. And I think what if they could have done... Right. They could have taken one of them out and just done two, and it probably would have worked, but it it definitely felt like 10 pounds of shit crammed into a five pound bag. Okay. Kind of like a Snyder's zombie film. Yes. Uh, it's that a heist, but a zombie movie. And issues. Yeah. And that movie was trash. Yeah. <laughs> um, I just want to watch the tiger eat somebody. That's fair. Right. And like with these movies, all I want to see is like crazy creatures and wizards shooting magic at each other. And we barely even got yeah, any of that. I wanted to see the wizarding world. Yeah. And, and I got that in the first film. I got less of that in the second film and, and you get, and you get, you get less, less of it in this one. one. So a lot of people are asking, so what would the four and five films be now? Here's the thing, Warner brothers. If you want to fix this situation, make four, but make it like the first film, bring back that magic, bring back that experience. If you can do that in the fourth film, you will have a franchise that survives because people will come back for that. People will come back to that. People will want to watch that. And you'll have a first film that starts out really strong, a second film that's eh, a third film that's oh, and a fourth film that's yay, and then a fifth film that's yay. So if you can do that, four out of, you know, three out of five, not bad. Yeah. They can totally end on a strong note. <laughs> yeah, they can totally fix this. It just look at what made yeah. the first one fun and then make the movies like that again. Yeah. And I'm okay at keeping Dumbledore in it, but as a fan, the only thing we fucking want to see is the greatest wizard duel of all time. We don't care about the drama. We just want to watch the fight between Grindelwald and Dumbledore. Yep. That's all we want to see. And that was that was one thing that I actually liked about this movie is they had a fight at the end. It kind of gives you an idea of how their final duel is going to go down. If they do it, it's actually going to be really cool. Yeah. But I mean, it, that fight was probably like, what, 45 seconds long? Yeah, it was like being on a roller coaster. You wait like 20 minutes to be in line, and then it was 30 seconds after. Yeah, and a lot of people are really confused about how like any of that works because they make the statement of like, oh, we have a blood pact, but you're going to immediately make break that blood pact and move against him. Move, move against Grindelwald regardless. Yeah, their their explanation for how that worked made zero sense. Yeah. Proving that from the beginning it was bullshit. Yeah. I don't know. I just I feel like it could have been done better. I, I feel the like way, they focused... the way it was assumed from the from the books is that Grindelwald was the one that first that moved first against against Dumbledore. Yeah, he's the Grind one that betrayed. That the Grindel the Grindelwald because of his betrayal to Dumbledore is what caused the, the pack to break. And that the only thing that was really, the only reason why Dumbledore didn't move against Grindelwald sooner based again, based off of what my, what my knowledge of the books is, is it was his best friend. But the, the Grindelwald was the one that broke the blood pack to begin with caused that friendship to fail. And also is the main reason why Dumbledore was able to get the upper hand for him because breaking a blood pact is like getting a curse upon you. 
Yeah. You're, you're at a disadvantage automatically now. It doesn't matter if he had, you know, it doesn't matter what wand you have. Especially since the Elder Wand literally wants to be with the most influential and powerful wizards. Its own nature wants to move to the next powerful wizard, either politically powerful or physically powerful. It doesn't, it doesn't matter. It wants to be with whatever's going to be the bigger of the, of the choices, the, the best of the choices. That's why it will betray you. Yeah. The way the story ends, it kind of throws away the whole Credence's storyline. Because that becomes useless when the final scene happens. Really? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> what they should have done was make Fantastic Beasts, make Fantastic Beasts that's a family film, a family film like Harry Potter that goes through and shows like, you know, shows the wizarding world, shows the, the fantasy, the, the magic, and then make a side franchise about the Grindelwald and Dumbledore story. And that's the more adult oriented stuff and instead of what they have here is this thing that where you can't you can't pin down like it's not for anybody it's not for it's not for kids it's not for families it's not for it's not for hard, the hardcore fans in my opinion who is this for it's not for anybody it's just kind of there it's a virtual signal movie yeah, I think the verdict is pretty much unanimous of don't go see it, wait for it to come on HBO, watch it once, and then call it good. Yeah. If you don't want to do that, pay a buck at the red box or two bucks or whatever it is now. Rent it for a night, return it the next day. Yeah, I, I think this will be the one where like, I wait for this movie to go on a deep sale and then buy it just to have the completion of the uh, set. I don't think my completion even wants to do that. And yeah, I get that. I, I will mean, buy Sonic 2, though. Absolutely. Yeah. I, I've said this before about spinoff series if you have to bring in a main character to your spinoff i feel like that means you have no faith in what you're writing what you created yeah and like in in the second one i was kind of excited because dumbledore shows up and i was like oh cool he's gonna be here for like two minutes and then the next movie it's all about him i was like well you lost faith in what you were trying to write yeah it's like boba fett yeah you brought in you you created you started creating boba fett and then you brought in the mandalorian because you had no idea where to go Mm -hmm. and then it turned into mandalorian Mandalorian. season three So I, I that that was my outlook when I saw the movie. I was like, "Oh, this movie's going to be all about Dumbledore and not Newt." Cool. They don't know what they're doing. Yeah. All right. Well, uh, do you have anything else to review? Uh, I've got a book. You have a book. I have a book. I've got a book. Anderson, go for it. So, the way things have been going, I decided to start a book series of a guy uh, written by Michael Cole where he just does one-off books that follows different monsters he creates. Okay. And the best way I could describe it is think of Sci-Fi Channel. If they were You're not selling me on in. this. And they're just <laughs> dumb and fun. I gotcha. So I picked up a book called Scar, written by Michael Cole, and I listened to the audiobook and the uh, narrator's name was Mark Rita. And I feel like if this was the Meg book we got sequel this is this is it this is what okay. we deserved okay so it's along the lines of like it's you know it's like a b grade but it's fun and, and it's it's a, a good time and it's i gotcha so i've done two books now this is the second book with them this is what i want to bring up each book is its own story and it follows a different monster he makes what i like about it is just listening to it the narrator gets so into this book he actually makes different voices for characters that's cool 
and it's just a straight scientist trying to make a megalodon, and it goes crazy, and there's a lot of action in the book. Right. Instead of just a bunch of drama dialogue. And this book is obviously the, the shark's name is Scar, and it just goes to town on everything in the ocean. If, if, if a man-eater was a book, this is it. All right. If you like to listen to monster books, I would recommend this. All right, what'd you say, what'd you say it was called again? Scar. Scar. And the author's name is Michael Cole. Michael Cole, all right. Uh, the previous book I did with him is called Devil's Rock, which is just think of somebody released a giant 20-foot trapdoor spider in the middle of Montana, and it just starts eating everything around it. <laughs> all right. <laughs> that could be fun. Yeah, yeah, I've been going through, I've been starting to go through the Dresden series. I went through the first book. It was pretty good. Uh, the um, first two are the roughest. The third book is when it hit the stride. Yeah, part of the reason why the first two, I think, are the roughest is because, especially the first one, it doesn't really have this kind of finality to the story. You know, I get the main problem for the very beginning gets solved in the in the first book, but it kind of feels like there's a lot of world building. When, the third, when he introduces the third book, and, and you get into later in the series, one of the books, I can't remember, I think it's called Briefcases. Yeah. He writes an apology to the fans for the first two books because he said, I was hitting my stride and I was still learning. Well, part of it, yeah, it yeah. feels like the first two books are really just world building for a lot of it. So, yeah. uh, I can like I can forgive that. Yeah. yeah, yeah, I can I can forgive that. So, like, it's it's not like they're not entertaining. They're you know, I really like the character Dresden so far. He's uh, he's pretty funny. Uh, what's her name? Um, Karen, Karen Murphy. Murphy. Yeah, the Murphy lieutenant. is fucking lieutenant. annoying as hell. And yeah. I'm gonna have to go back and re-listen to a lot of the second book because I I didn't quite get everything from it because I was playing a game at the same time, uh, which I guess was a bad idea. I think your but, favorite character is going to be in the next book, which is Michael Carpenter. Okay. Uh, but no, they, uh, he was, she, they show up to a fucking uh, crime scene. It's where the guy was, uh, the first person gets, or well, one of the first person gets murdered and they've been, you know, torn to pieces by a fucking werewolf. And, this crazy bitch out of fucking nowhere tries to shoot Murphy. It tries to fucking blow her away. And I'm like, what the fuck is like, I seriously can't figure out what the fuck's going on with that. So yeah, yeah, you got to re-listen. Yeah. I'm going to yeah. have to go back and re-listen. Cause that made zero fucking sense. And the fact that the fact that she did it and then they were like, oh yeah, it was just a misfire. I was like, the fuck? <laughs> I was like, what do you mean? It was a fucking misfire. Fuck you. She tried to literally fucking gank her. Yeah, there's not a, a great deal of sense in the first two. But uh yeah. So anyways Then if you're doing the uh if you're doing the audiobooks, James Marshers while good, he he mispronounces a lot of shit in the first two, three books. That's fair, yeah. I don't know, man. Is it as bad as Will Wheaton's posier? Fucking poser. Yeah. <laughs> but I mean Dude. at least James Marsters fixes his shit. Yeah. He, he doesn't continue doing it. <laughs> yeah. He learns. Yeah. Yeah. I think one of the funnest books in that series, and just, just for fun, is a, a series called Working for Bigfoot, where Dresden gets hired by Bigfoot to do projects. Those are pretty fun. <laughs> okay. Uh, listeners, that's all we got for you this week. Appreciate you listening to us. Thank you very much. Whether you're a Vulcan or a Romulan, Sith or Jedi, we just want you listening to us. Tell your friends about us. It's pretty much the only way we get around. This is Vargo. This is Josiah. Miles. Anderson. Keep on geeking on, and we're out.